0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host Sam Brooks and I'm joined by Raphael Jacobin, Jake Smalley and Tom Serra. Thanks for joining me guys. And so, first of all, only one place to start after the weekend's games in Syria. And, uh, and that is with AC Milan, who got a very impressive 3-1 away victory against Napoli. Um, they were sort of stuttering slightly before the international break, Milan. Uh, lost in Europa League, got a draw against Verona. But were really good here. Um, how big a statement do you think the win was, Raphael?
1: I think it's a massive win. It shows that they're, it shows that they're serious about the title, really the fact that they have come back from what was a bit of a sort of a mediocre run of form just before the break to sort of come back and play well just play against this napoli side in the in the way that they did was very impressive i think throughout the game you sort of had a dynamic where um, where napoli were looking quite dangerous on the counter attack they did put some pressure on them throughout the game but again their defence stood firm. Um that, that Romagnoli and um Kieda defensive partnership was rock solid again. But yeah, it's it's a massive win and you do you do worry a bit about um Ibrahimovic being out for for at least the next ten days, which or potentially further on, which could prove costly because when you look when you look at the, the goal output that he, he has been putting in, it's um, it's Ten goals in six games in the league, which is very impressive. So that they might miss that over the next few weeks, but yeah, no, it's 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 a very impressive win against the Napoli side, which who you know have been performing very well this season. They they've had they had the lack of finish of a finishing touch, I feel, in them in this game because they, they they did put some good moves together on the break, which either way is generally speaking gattuso's game plan hitting on the break but yeah they stood firm and they they made the most of their opportunities
0: yeah, I think, I think as you say, Napoli did create chances, but I think the general consensus is Milan were fully deserving of their victory in the end. Uh, as you said, Ibrahimović came off late on with a hamstring problem. Uh, it seems the early diagnosis is he's going to be out for two to three weeks, uh, probably looking to return around December the 13th when they play Parma. Jake, how big a miss do you think he will be? Or, or do you think perhaps they can cope given that they're fixture list in those couple of weeks doesn't look too bad on paper.
2: I think he's a massive miss. I think he's really brought them on this season. He's a massive focal point for them. I think if you look individually at the game on Sunday, the one thing that Napoli were missing was a real focal point. They put some really nice moves together in the final third, but ultimately they couldn't really create that telling chance. And uh, time had two telling chances in the game and he scored two goals. And um, he really holds Milan together. And um, he's good at holding the ball up. He allows them to break quickly, get the ball forward as quickly as possible through players like Teo Hernandez. And um, so it's gonna be a massive massive miss for them. I don't see them having a ready made replacement for him. But like you said, fixture wise, they are looking you know in, in a bit of a run of form where they should be confident going into those games and pick up some points so if he's going to get injured now probably is the right time when they've got a runnable uh, a winnable run of fix should I?
0: Yeah I think you made a couple of interesting points there uh, mentioning Teo Hernandez who was exceptional again on the weekend uh, and also saying Zlatan had two telling chances well that, that first goal was really only a half chance really but a 15 yard header right in the bottom corner not much Napoli could do about that um, Tom, what did you make of Napoli's performance overall? Were you were you a little underwhelmed, um, or did they simply just come up against a very good side on the night? And, uh, and And they'll come again next week. Do you think?
3: I mean, I think you just mentioned it right there. Napoli came up against basically Ibrahimovic, and the Ibrahimovic's first goal. Like, I'm not sure how many strikers in the world could head that ball. From, you know, he was nearly on the edge of the 16 yard box. It's like, I don't know how he did it, but it was just so impressive just to see, like, the technique. And when you watch Koulibaly in defense, he was struggling just to mark Zlatan Ibrahim. Just the way, just the sheer size of Zlatan just gives him so much, so many advantages on the field. And I think that is partly why it makes him so successful at this age. And we don't really see Koulibaly struggling in defense the way he did in that game and i don't think we should read too much into this game in terms of like whether you know napoli are title contenders or not because they did play i felt very well Dunaruma had like a great night again and they did hit the post as well but i felt like Zatan was a difference and even though they were i feel i think for the third third of the game yeah because they had the red card in like the 65th minute Napoli was still effective in pushing forward and just creating chances. So I think, given the situation and that form, I feel Napoli played really well. Um, they were just, you know, they weren't. They were the second best team on the night.
0: Yeah, and they, yeah, pretty much the perfect night for Milan. Uh, with other than the Ibrahimovic injury, he got a couple of goals, and of course, Jens Petter got his first Serie A goal, uh, having moved to Milan recently from Norway. Um, we're now going to move on to Milan's biggest rivals, uh, Inter, who had a very different game, um, weren't in control of the match for long periods, uh, really, in terms of the scoreline, but did get a 4-2 win in the end uh, after being 2-0 down. Raphael, what did, what did you make of it? Were you impressed with the comeback or a bit worried that they found themselves 2-0 down to Torino in the first place?
1: Well, it wasn't, it wasn't so much the fact that they were down... Um, in the first place, it was more the uh, just the nature of their performance in the first hour was just dire. I think if if they if they'd have been unlucky and you know conceded even after even after um putting pressure and attacking, then it would have been somewhat understandable. But they were just genuinely not that not that good for the first hour. I think obviously with the penalty, the the second goal, they sort of woke up a bit. Yeah, it is. It is a worry still that uh, you know that you are finding Inter are putting in performances like that for two thirds of the game. But obviously, you know, you could you could spin it positively and say that yeah, you know, the fact that they did show a bit of mental strength to uh, to come back and score score four goals in the last half hour is a, generally speaking a good a uh, it's a it's a good result I think, and um, I think. If if any if 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 there's a if there's one positive to pick out, I think it is, uh, Lukaku anyway because he is he's showing his performance his his importance not just not just on the pitch, in terms of his performance and the fact that he is, contributing to these goals, but also, the mental side really. Um, you see, I mean, you saw after the game he he was taking responsibility and he was being honest that you know yeah we're not we're not playing well. And you know we're not we're not a big team just yet. We're not. We haven't quite reached that level where we can call ourselves a big team. And the fact that they have got someone like that in their ranks, just keeping keeping his keeping their their keeping their, his head on his shoulders, basically, will only serve them well in the future. And I think. I think generally speaking, they will. They're, it's 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 a bit. It's it's a stepping stone, really.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I, I wanted to come to you next, Jake. Obviously, you follow Inter closely. Um, I think a lot of people haven't really known what to make of Inter so far this season. They are actually still only five points off top after eight games. Um, but as Raphael mentioned there, are you a little bit worried about the over-reliance on Lukaku, who got two goals and an assist this weekend? And then at the other end of the pitch, you are you slightly... Concerned by the defending from Inter this season. That's been a strength of theirs in the past, but they have already conceded 13 goals this season in the league. Uh,
2: I think the big issue with Inter as a whole is just it doesn't seem like there's any real sort of plan uh, at all. Uh, I think this time last year, you could see the defence was really, really solid. You had Lukaku and Martinez up front together linking up really well, and you know, Lukaku's still doing it. Um, but there's, there's the lack of identity is what's really sort of baffling. It, it doesn't particularly feel like any of the players really know what their roles are. Um, there's quite a few new additions into the team. The team chops and changes every week. Um, I just don't really know how to describe them. Uh, pedestrian, probably the word that I, I'd use. Um, they, they lack any sort of real bite when they're going forward and defensively every time they seems to have a shot on target it seems to be a goal they concede. Um, I think some of that perhaps is coming down to an age in Handanovic. I think he's probably had his best days now which pains me to say because he's been an absolutely excellent servant for Inter but I think since lockdown he's come back and He's almost sort of aged a little bit, I think, in the next sort of 12 months. They definitely need to have somebody else um, in the sticks. Um, and I think going forward it is the biggest problem. You know, we've got the whole Eriksen saga at the moment. You know, what's going to happen with him? It looks like he's going to go. But there's no real link between midfield and attack. Lukaku's scored these goals... And, you know, leading from the front, you know, like Raphael's just said, but he's having to do it on his own. You know, without him playing, there are much, much weaker teams, as, as they found out, you know, when he was missing before the break. And for, for me, the biggest problem is they don't look frightening or a threat. You know, this year was supposed to be the year that Inter was supposed to push on, but they signed a few ageing players and... Still got Ashley Young starting at left wing back. You know, this is a team who's supposed to be reaching the knockout stage of the Champions League and winning the title. Um, but until he figures out something that makes them more of a threat, they're just going to keep this strange run of dire results going, I think. And I know that sounds quite negative after they won on Sunday, but one big thing that I did note is they look much better when they have more attacking players on the pitch at the end. You yeah, have Martinez and Alexis Sanchez are at the same time as Lukaku, and in that time, with more emphasis placed on attack, they scored four goals. So, whether Conte is stubborn enough to stick with his own three-five-two, whether he can see that that might be a potential way out, but at the minute, they really need to find some sort of identity, whether it's just be solid at the back and. You know, keep resolute, try and defend leads and hit people on the break or be more front footed because at the minute it looks like a team that doesn't really know what it's doing to me.
0: Yeah, interesting you should say that because obviously Conte has, uh, you know, sort of gathered his reputation over the past decade as being one of the best tactical coaches around but yeah this inter side do seem to uh, be sort of stumbling their way through games at the moment and as you mentioned the Ericsson issue looks like it's going to come to a head in the next month or so so uh, we'll see how that pans out. Um, On to the defending champions Juventus, who have got a 2-0 win against Cagliari, Uh, pretty comfortable in the end with Ronaldo Uh, Tom, you may seem to have improved quite a bit the last sort of two to three games after that Barcelona defeat last month. Um, Is this simply down to Ronaldo's return from uh, being off with coronavirus, or do you think the team are now starting to gel under
3: Pierlo? I think it's down to both factors. Absolutely, I felt that something really clicked with Juventus, you know, just this past weekend. And I don't think, like, the scoreline does it justice. It was. The game was pretty much all Juve. And I just really, what I particularly enjoyed about that game was just seeing those little clever passes in the box and just players being selfless. And it was just interesting as well to see Ronaldo laying the ball off to Kulusevski and Benedeschi for them to take a shot and sort of taking, giving that ownership to other players to perform and step up. To his level, it makes you wonder: Are we going to see Ronaldo's role on the field changing in the future? Maybe he's going to become more of a central team player. He was very good in that central position and knew who to pick out. And it was just interesting, yeah, seeing his movement in and around the box. Kiyari didn't really create any chances in that game. However, I mean, what note about Kayari is uh, what a keeper Cranio is? It, I felt like could have been honestly five or six to Juve. And I don't think it's his first like big performance this season. I think he had a couple over the past few weeks. And I'm not sure, like maybe he might move on. I don't know in the in the January or the summer transfer window. Who knows? But Cranio was yeah very good for like, the past weekend.
0: Yeah, I've been impressed with Cranio for the last couple of years. Actually, I think he is um, a really top keeper in Syria. Um, Raphael just wants to come to you for Juventus as well. Are you starting to become? bit more convinced by them after quite a poor start to the season or are there still a few question marks it still seems there are some elements of personnel that pierlo's perhaps not quite certain on um who's going to play in the wide areas moving forwards he went with obviously like Kulusevski and Bernadeschi this weekend um you know Bonucci and Chiellini both didn't play this weekend they they're out injured but do you expect them to definitely come back in, or, or will he now look towards Delict and and as more of a partnership moving forwards? What, what's your sort of take on it at all?
1: I don't think you can make any big conclusions either way um, from this game because Cagliari worked quite poor, um, even though they were. They, I, I, from what I from what I read in um, in uh, the Francesco's post-match comments, he said that he he did try and sort of keep a. Keep a compact shape, and then try and hit them, hit them on the break. But I think you know Juventus just had the ball all the time. So I think if if Ronaldo hadn't wrapped it up early, someone else would have from Juventus. So I'd say in, in that in that respect, I'm impressed by the game management. I think Milos is he's proven himself with in this in the sense that he can he can confidently dispatch these. So sort of mid-table to lower end of the table teams, without any problems. But then obviously, obviously you know that still remains to be seen in other, in uh, in in bigger games. Um, but with regard to the defence, I think uh, Demira was especially very, very impressive. Um, I think him and him and him and Bonucci would. What well, him and Bonucci or or him and uh, him and De Ligt, would be a would be a, an impressive combination either way. So I think mean, it just it will just depend on who's who's available when, because obviously this this season is going to be a season where there are going to be a lot of absences at any time, and it's important, especially for for you you know for Juventus in defence for them to have these options available to them. I don't think you can say for sure that you know such-and-such such player will, will start throughout the rest of the season because it is quite volatile this season.
0: Yeah, as you said, there, there's a lot of games coming up. Uh, I think, obviously, this was Matthias de Licht's, um First game this season after injury. He, uh, he was very solid, just as he was in the back end of last season. So, um, yeah, slightly more positive signs for you, after A bit of a stuttering start to the campaign. Um, one team we certainly aren't stuttering at the moment uh, are Sassuolo, who briefly went top this weekend before Milan's win on Sunday night. Uh, they beat Verona uh, 2-0. Uh, Verona did hit the woodwork four times, so perhaps slightly unlucky in that game. Um, but, Jake, what, what do you make of Sassuolo? Um, you know, I think a lot of people thought perhaps they could push for Europa League this season, but given how unpredictable this season's looking to be, could they perhaps even go even further and go for a top four finish?
2: I mean, I don't want to brag, but uh, I did. Sort of predict this when we made did the pod right at the start of the season, <laughs> but you know, all jokes aside, I think they're doing really well. Uh, I think, in terms of the trio they've got up front, um, and with Locatelli in midfield as well, that they're looking really, really strong at the moment. Uh, we saw how tough Verona are as an opponent in the world they played against Milan just for the international break. And you know, like you did, did say, Verona were a little bit unlucky, but. The big picture is that Saswalo are just flying. Um, I, I could definitely see them finishing top six, top seven. Uh, whether it's top four or not, whether they've got the longevity to manage that, I'm, I'm not so sure. Because all it takes is a couple of injuries or a bit of a rough patch to derail them. Because I do think we are a bit of a, a momentum sort of base side. I think when they're at the top of the game, they're pretty good. Um, you know, long may it continue... I, I've said before, I think there's a bit of a void for an up-and-coming team. We've had Atalanta as the up-and-coming side of the last few years. We've sort of defied expectations, but there's always room um, in the league for someone to sort of push above the weight. And this year, it definitely will be Sassuolo. Um At the minute, I'm really enjoying watching them play, seeing how they're getting on. And uh, you know, I-, I hope they make a challenge for the top four, but for me, I'd definitely say top seven and more towards the bottom end of that, say sixth or seventh. But that represents massive progress. I know they played in the Europa League before, so it would be nice to make it into the Champions League and go one better. But I think they could definitely be happy with the Europa League. It's it's progress from last season and uh, does represent a successful season for a club of that size, ultimately.
0: They're certainly one of the best sides to watch in the league right now. And uh, there are a couple of goals on the weekend with Jeremy Boga and uh, Domenico Berardi were lovely finishes. Um, another side who are perhaps pushing above expectations, have been a big club over the years, but I don't think many expect them to be doing as well as they are. Aroma, uh, they swatted aside Palmer 3-0 on Sunday with Hen- Henrik Mkhitaryan scoring two goals, uh, the first of which was a stunning volley Uh, what do you make of them Tom and just in comparison to Sassuolo who do you feel out of those two sides can push on and maybe you know we've spoken about Sassuolo going for top four can Roma expect the same um, come the end of the
3: season? I mean when you just look at the sheer squad I feel definitely Roma would finish above Sassuolo because their squad is just bigger and they've got a bigger budget obviously and they've got better players in that sense. And you just watch that game and it was great to see uh, the understanding between Mayoral, Pedro, Mikatarian and Veratu, and everyone just stepping up in the absence of Zeko. And Spinazzola was great going forward as well. You know, constant threat, applying that pressure on defence and just allows them to have more numbers in attack. But for me, Mayoral definitely stands out as a player who really stepped into the shoes of Zeko because just the way he's able to hold the ball up for the others and facilitating chances for other players. So, yeah, I definitely, I feel that while Dzeko was the kind of person who individually took Roma and just, you know, got them the wins, I feel like Mairal is more of a person who's sort of more of a team player. And when we look at Mkhitaryan Screamer again, like, before the international break, he had a hat-trick and he's also sort of stepping out of Cecho's status. And I think he's just really enjoying his game at the moment. You know, his freedom of movement around the fringe uh, He's got great positioning, which we saw in the third goal as well. And, yeah, I think it's a very well-drilled team. So I think there was one opportunity uh, when it was... It, I don't think it was a goal, but just a quick movement between Perez, uh, Castor, Mkhitaryan, Pedro Spinazzolo, you know, the ball moved within them. I think it was like within the space of four seconds and they just completely opened Palmer up. So, yeah, I think Roma are really on the right path of on the verge of something special. Also, there are, there are still issues with the board. I'm not sure how that's going to be resolved. But, yeah, I think Roma have definitely in a better position to challenge for Champions League places. than so I saw him, I must agree with Jake, I think, Europa League because looks much more realistic.
0: Roma are currently third, of course, now, uh, three points off the top. And, yeah, very good point you made there. It seems the last two or three years they've been very reliant on Dzeko. But we've seen in the past couple of games when he hasn't been able to play that other players have stepped up. So that looks really positive for them. Across the city, we have Lazio, who um, won a game of scuba football this weekend, I think it's fair to say. Uh, horrendous conditions in Crotone, but they managed to get the victory 2-0. Uh, Raphael, did you see this as a sort of another example of their excellent team spirit, how they are able to come through a potentially tricky situation with the weather and in the end wrap up a fairly comfortable win? Yeah, I'm not really sure how the game
1: went ahead. To be honest, I don't know if you guys (laughs) saw the the floods in the streets, like across the city. Yeah, that was. I was quite surprised it actually went ahead, but, I mean, at least yeah, it gave us the opportunity to see a, a game of football under interesting conditions. Um, I think on, in terms of the match itself, I think they got they got the job done, but nothing more. I think they they did have a few scares in the first half. Um, I think Simi. Or, uh for Cortone had a had a good chance which i feel like it sort of dribbled past the post because there was so much water on the on the pitch i think it, they might have gone in under under different conditions had the rain not slowed the ball down a bit yeah i mean that was that was a i mean that was a close call but apart from that i think generally speaking they have turned the corner though um I think having him back after his um his COVID nineteen situation, which was a bit of an in- administrative nightmare for uh for the club. I think having him back in general is, is massive. Um it's no surprise that he's he's the he's the one who scored the opener. And yeah, I th- I think they'll I think they've recovered they've from what was a bit of a, a slump in form. Um I think once they've got milinkovic savic back as well they'll they'll be they'll be in good shape to to sort of put, put a good run of form together especially since they're not under too much pressure in the uh, in the champions league to produce results because they've already they've already done well done maybe not done the business but they've um, they don't need too much more of an effort to qualify in the champions league so that's so they they can concentrate on the league in the, for the rest of the first half of the campaign so, yeah, no, I think, especially, especially when you look at, when you look at the it's just the sheer willpower that they have in terms of grinding out results, you know, last minute, last minute goals and the, and the like. I, I mean, I, I don't think they'll they'll mount a title challenge in the same way that they did last year, but they're definitely on the right track.
0: Yeah, I was going to move on to that next, actually, uh, with you, Jake. Uh, It seems we we really have about seven or eight teams battling for those top four spots. And and you'd say Lazio are in the mix. Uh, Do you think that they will get top four again like they did last season or probably just Europa League this time round?
2: I think it's massively tricky to predict that at this point. Um, I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago, we've got, a massive amount of teams this year who were battling for those European slots. I think you can definitely say Juve will get a top four finish. I think the fact that they've got that bit of experience, that bit of nous, um, will be enough to definitely make sure they get top four. I'd imagine they'll be obviously challenging for the title, but they can be a definite for top four. Uh, I think uh, Milan look like they're going to be a top four side this season as well. Um, and Barring a bit of a mad slump, I think, into being there. So for me, that sort of leaves a slot for Roma, Atalanta or Lazio. Or if Sassuola can keep up their miracle form, possibly them too. Uh, I think it's really hard to say. I think given that they've got the Champions League to sort of contend with as well, it looks like they've got a really good chance of getting through to the knockout rounds. Um, So that means more games for them. And we spoke on the pod before about the fact that they were quite a threadbare squad as well. So, should a couple of injuries get in the fixture list being congested, I think you might see them finishing maybe fifth or sixth or just missing out. Um, at this point, I will not like to commit. Um, but currently, I think they might just miss out finish finishing fifth place.
0: Yeah, it certainly looks like it's going to be a very interesting one. Um... But, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Atalanta are another side in the mix, but they really do seem to have sort of gone off the boil a bit in recent weeks and they could only get a draw against Spezia uh, on Saturday, uh, nil-nil in the end. Uh, Tom, I wanted to get your thoughts. Do do you feel that um, it is just a blip for them or is this starting to become something a little bit more than that, um, given that they seem to have been off the pace for the last sort of five or six games now?
3: When you actually look at the game, the way it went, I don't think Nilne was a full story. I felt that for Atalanta, finishing was just not there and it was not really meant to be. But unless Swazolov start declining, I can't see them break into European places unless they start bearing those chances. They did dominate the game. And if they do, if they are able to just convert those opportunities, they should be able to get to Europe. However, credit must be given where it's due. I feel because I felt the biggest winner of this whole fixture was Provedel. He had like such a good game, and I felt he really has secured the number one spot since it has got injured uh, early in the season. However, like so many players missed, you know, Palisage, Illich, Zapata, they all had amazing opportunities, all missed. And I feel like I saw the final reaction at the end when Palacich like missed his like op- last opportunity in the final minutes of the game. And you could just tell from his reaction that it was just not their day and it was not going to happen. So I feel f- this game was just really one of those days, but we just need to see how long this will go on. Because yes, when you look at the result, it looks like they're in a blip, but when you actually watch the game, they created so many opportunities and Spezia weren't able to, you know, they were just overrun in midfield by Atalanta. So we'll see how it goes in future fixtures.
0: Yeah, Atalanta do tend to be quite slow starters to a season, um, you know, the last couple of seasons they've gone out of title contention early, but it, but finished third in the end. Raphael, are you, are you a bit concerned about them or do you expect them to gather momentum as the season goes on uh, and finish strong? You know, they're still actually only six points off top at the moment, so not completely out of the picture by any means. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on their situation?
1: I wouldn't go as far as saying, you know, worrying about them or anything, because I don't think anyone was realistically ex- expecting a full-on title challenge from them. That I mean, I, anyway, it, that would have been a bit unrealistic given their um, given their situation. So I think if you step take a step back a bit and you look at the fact that they are level on points with Napoli and Lazio, they're only they're only six points off the top. All in all, it, it's it's not a bad start to the season. I mean. I think yeah, Gasparini after the game was actually saying that you know November is always a difficult month for them, Well, generally speaking, the first half of the season isn't great for them. So you know the fact that the fact that they are in the mix is 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 pretty much good enough. I think um, yeah, I mean they they did they did they did get their uh, their first clean sheet of the season, which I guess you could say is a positive but yeah i th- i think i to be honest i think they're doing as well as they can um, you know g- given the circumstances given the given just the just, yeah just the general sort of circumstances of this year i think they're doing well with what what could be considered a limited squad as well i think i think yeah it's it's not we can't really judge um it, it would be harsh to judge judge them in a negative way based on based on what we've seen so far, I think.
0: Yeah, obviously they finished last season so strongly. So I think that's part of the frustration for their fans, maybe that they were hoping to really continue that into this season. It hasn't quite happened yet. Um, so now next part of the show, I just want to go through the final few games of the weekend that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Benevento ended a... Uh, winless streak by beating Fiorentina away from home. Very impressive win. Um, Jake, what, what did you think of that victory for them? And from a Fiorentina point of view, a bad start for Prandelli and Rubbery came off injured. So do you think they will be able to turn things around soon or do you think they'll have to put up with a bit more misery before the tide turns?
2: Uh, I think it's quite difficult to say at the minute. Uh, I think Riebree's going to be a big miss for them if he's a long-term absentee. But you, just like with any manager, you've got to give him a little bit of time to settle in and sort of get to know the players and get to know uh, what the capabilities are. I think one thing that uh, sort of went against Jachini is a lot of the fans and the media were hounding him for playing this three-five-two formation. So Prime has gone straight in there this week and then he's gone with four at the back. Um, he's not got an orthodox right-back. We have Milenkovic at right-back. and For me, he's one of the better centre-halves in the division, so asking him to play a little bit out of position um, is not ideal either. Um, so, He's going to have to get a bit of time to get his ideas across, now without Ribery in there as well, uh, which will make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, they've also had quite a few new additions over the summer um, you know, Callaghan's in there now and Amrabat they're still finding their feet and are yet to play their best stuff for them so I, I think it's a little bit hard to judge them, I think you would have looked at Benevento straight away as a game you know, as your first game and thought right, let's get three points on the board, this is a team that concedes quite a few goals, who's not quite fully settled yet in the league this season but, you know it is only game one um, you know, in two or three games time let's see where we are and You know, if anything's improved, right, let's make a few pointers. And then, you know, you you won't know what the manager's capable of with this side for, you know, a good 89 games um, time yet. So I wouldn't press the panic button too much if I was um, Fiorentina and, you know, start to worry about anything. Um, Just let the manager work with the players, just see what he can bring. Because for me, you know, Fiorentina have got a side that should be where you know, the likes of Sassuolo are pushing. They should be looking at, you know, Europa League football without a shadow of a doubt. Um, The depth and the the quality of the squad is much, much better than their league position suggests, especially where they finished off last season. Um, They've got much better strength in depth and quality than some of those mid-table sides, you know, with adding Callahan and Amrabat too, that players like Vlajvic, you know, you've got Catrone there, Uh, Biragi's come back and done pretty well Um, yeah I don't think he was that bad at Inter last year either you know there's Kwame there there there's Duncan you've got quite a lot of players who get into most bottom end to mid Serie A sides and start every game and you know they're kind of players Eric Pulgar even so there's plenty of options for him there just give him a bit of time to find the right blend and then um, you know he's he's an experienced manager so I hope it works out for them, for sure.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, Hopefully they they can turn it round in time. As as, as you say, they should be a mid-table team, at at least really, with the squad that they've got. And so another game from Sunday was uh, Sampdoria against Bologna. Sampdoria took an early lead, but Bologna in the end got a 2-1 win. Uh, They've now got over 40 games without a clean sheet in Serie A, but it doesn't seem to matter. They're still very entertaining. Uh, Tom, what are your thoughts? Do you, who do you feel is going to finish higher out of Sampdoria and Bologna? Do you feel either of those sides can maybe push into the top half, or, or both bottom half finishes for you?
3: I think they will both finish mid-table. Um, I don't, I don't see anything special in that game. Sampdoria have dropped off a bit. They had really good results against. Uh, I think the, the Yeah, they scored Lazio. Scored three against Lazio, then against Atalanta as well. So but then they since then they've just yeah dropped off and they've only you know been getting draw versus relegation candidates, Genoa and then lost to Cairi and now Bologna as well. So I reckon yeah both would be a mid table. Bologna had did have some tight gains against top sides, only losing by one goal against I think Napoli, Milan as well. And they do have like I feel like they've got a stronger base with like Orcelini, Soriano. And I don't think they are threatened by relegation by any in any way because I feel Crotone, Genoa, even Gineza Parma, they all have bigger problems than than Bologna. So, uh, yeah, I think for both teams, it would be a mid-table finish. But I reckon, yeah, I think maybe Bologna might finish higher. But, uh, yet to see, because I feel like Sampdoria do have these kind of periods of ups and downs. We saw it last season as well when they saved themselves from relegation. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, it seems that way. And then the, the final game of the weekend was between two relegation candidates, it seems. Um, Udinese won 1-0. Uh, Genoa denied late on by VAR when they thought they'd got an equaliser. Um, Raphael, do you feel that both of these sides will stay up? Or do you fear for one or perhaps both of them that they could be relegated this year?
1: I mean, there are worries for both of them. But at the same time, I do think Udinese they will ju- they will stay up just just because of the sheer presence of of Rodrigo De Bal. I think mean, they they have made an effort with their signings this season to sort of take the burden off him a bit, signing Gerard ferre for example. But on you know on the evidence of their games this season, it's clear that he is still he he has got basically the team on his shoulders. But even, even by ver, just by virtue of him him being there, I think they'll 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 come through. I think Genoa, though, they have been hard done by from, in terms of COVID cases since the start of the season. So you do have to take that into account when uh, when sort of analysing their season. But yeah, I do I do worry about them though because they you know the results just aren't coming. They ha- they have got some good players on paper. I'm, I'm impressed, for example, by uh, by Skak- actually who's uh, who, who technically speaking did quite well um, in the game um, I do want to come back to Bologna though because I, I do just want to say that Bologna have you know quite an exciting attacking lineup this season and from last season as well the fact that they have got they've got guys like Barrow Orsolini, Soriano which I mean just just the fact that their games have become entertaining this season. And just generally under Mihailovic is you know is a, is a massive improvement compared to the last few seasons. And the um the season I went to watch them live, you know, 2018 to 19, was yeah you know, it was it was dire because the yeah you know, it was under um, it was under in in, in for the first for the first half of the season and it was basically just hoofing the ball up to Federico Santander and seeing what he could do, you know and when when i you know when when i when i watched them now this season you know the difference is night and day so i just the fact that they have got even if they're, even if the defense is obviously just not cutting it I've, just the fact that they have their games are entertaining to watch now is you know it's it's just a massive improvement
0: yeah they certainly have been involved in a few gorillas already this season Okay, so final part of the show, I just want to um, finish off with some European talk. Um, at the time of filming, which is before Tuesday's kickoffs, we're halfway through the group stages in the Champions League and Europa League. So, Jake, I just wanted to ask, um, which sides do you feel in the Champions League will get through from Italy? Um, it looks like Inter and Atalanta are in a spot of bother. Do you think both or, or one of those sides will miss out on the knockout stages?
2: Uh, I think it's a good uh, case They're both missing out at the moment I think they've both got crunch games this coming week uh, I think Atalanta might find It a little bit Easier to qualify in terms of the Fact that you know Nobody's really expecting them to get anything Against Liverpool They got you know smashed at home by them So hopefully Midland can do them A little bit of a favour and then they can beat Midland and Ajax that gives them a bit of a chance A bit of a tall ask it gives them a bit of a chance but we're into a concern they've already dropped points in poor games Um, I don't think they deserve to lose against Real Madrid last time I thought they were a little bit unlucky I think a draw probably would have been fair but to draw against Shakhtar in a game that they really should have won they were a bit unlucky and They would work a few times but that's a real uh, you know dropping points that they shouldn't really be having they absolutely slaughtered them in the Europa League just a couple of months before so they'll be kicking themselves based off that one And obviously drawing the first game against Munch and that they had to come back from behind him so Inter literally in terms of qualifying for the next round face a clutch game this week they have to beat Real Madrid or they can pretty much wave goodbye but should they beat Real Madrid they've got two more much more comfortable games ahead of them and it's a bit more in their hands so I, I do really feel for you know both sets of players on that. I don't want to be them knowing how crucial these games are. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, Juventus look good to me. They look like they're as good as through. If they can beat Zenit at home, it puts some real daylight between them and the chasing two just below them. If Dortmund can beat Bruges and they can beat Zenit, they're as good as through to knock rounds, and that's an absolutely massive achievement for Simeone Inzaghi's side. It'd be really pleasing to see, after 13 years out of the Champions League, and you know the sort of shoestring budget that they've got compared to the likes of Inter and Juventus, it'd be a massive
0: Yeah, certainly um, certainly will be. Um, looks like Juve and Lazio are well-placed, as you said. And then on to Europa League, uh, Tom, we've got Milan, Napoli and Roma in that. Uh, Napoli and Roma picked up good wins last time out but Milan slumped to a defeat Uh, do you still expect all three of those sides to make it through to the next stage?
3: I mean they should Milan have I feel like they got themselves in a bit of a muddle with losing to Lille 3-0 at home and just they have to be at Lille in the next round it doesn't really matter if they finish first I mean it does based on the draw because they'd have to play a Champions League team but doesn't really matter in terms of like qualifying for the next round whether they're first or second so there's no real issue over there in terms of Napoli it looks very tight I think like with Azal Kumar doing I think much better than people expected and then Real Sociedad who are leaving obviously La Liga still um, at the moment I think that's a very tough tough group and I feel like it looks like Rijeka might finish with zero points and we. I remember like there was a season where I think Dortmund, Napoli, Arsenal and Marseille were in the same group and all three teams finished with 12 points and he, and I think Napoli the one lucky ones who didn't make it through to the next round of the Champions League. So we might have a similar situation over here in uh, this group as well. What's for Roma? I think they're cruising. They're playing Cluj away but I think that's that's a, that should be a doable fixture. Cruz haven't really shown anything special, uh, so if I haven't really threatened them, so yeah, I think it should be uh, uh, for Italian teams at least. It should be a uh, successful um, autumn.
0: Yeah, certainly going to be an interesting week coming up uh, of European action ahead of what will be another great weekend of Serie A football, I'm sure. Okay, well, that concludes the show. Thanks a lot for joining me, guys. And uh, we'll catch you again soon. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Goodbye.